Hey there, I'm Dylan Fadden, and welcome to the very first episode of Dropping the Hammer for the year 2022. Uh, on this episode, it's a very long episode, almost 90 minutes, um, and then it's entirely an interview with Colleague Racing's AJ Allmendinger. Uh, this interview I conducted with AJ back in September on the day of the Xfinity Series Bristol Night Race, uh, which he would go on to win just a few hours after this interview. Uh, I conducted this interview as uh, as part of a profile I did on him for the December issue of Speed Sport Magazine. Um, and but there was so much that we talked about, we couldn't all I couldn't fit it into the but it fit it into the story, uh, which was published again in December. So you should go check that out if you're a subscriber to Speed Sport Magazine, or if you just need something new to subscribe to. Um, so. Over the course of, again, almost an hour and a half, uh, AJ and I talked about his upbringing in San Jose, how he got into open-wheel racing, uh, his jump from Champ Car to, to NASCAR, and some of the misconceptions about that from people within the Champ Car IndyCar community. Um, we talked about how he wound up at Team Penske, his un unfortunate departure from Team Penske in 2012 after he was suspended for a, uh, a positive drug test and how he bounced back from that and how, how now he's enjoying probably the most fun time of his motorsports career uh, right now with Colleague Racing after he, you know, made the championship four last year. But uh, we, we talk about a lot. and he, he, get, he gets honest and it's a really, really, really good interview in my opinion. Uh, but so without further ado, here's 90 good minutes with Colleague Racing's A.J. Allmendinger. Watching NCIS right now. Oh boy, <laughs> is that is that usual um, pre-race entertainment for you? NCIS? No, but I've kind of got locked into it this morning. I don't know why, because I'm just trying to kill time. But yeah, you know, it's like oh, you watch the first episode, and then you see the next one, and then you know, <laughs> all, all of a sudden you've lost an afternoon. Four hours, four hours go by, you know, and it is what it is. So, so like, typically, like, what would you be doing, you know, at, at this point before a race? What's your race day well, routine? Well, normally, like, uh, uh, on a day like that we – with this schedule now, when you fly in, I'd yeah. usually land and go grab some food and then be bored and get to the racetrack. And <laughs> uh, if it was Saturday, I'd be watching college football probably. But, okay. you know, it's uh, – it, I keep forgetting it's Friday, so there's really nothing on right now. <laughs> and that's how you get – to NCIS. Who, who's but, your uh, who's your who's your college team? Who would you be watching on a Saturday? I'm married into a Nebraska family, so oh, it, oh, that's out there. Yeah, so my wife is a Cornhusker, and and I didn't have a, I didn't go. I went to a junior college for a couple of semesters, really one semester for uh, for public speaking and marketing. So really, yeah, that when I graduated high school, I was kind of my the car racing side of it was starting to happen so I basically took two courses for one semester of the things that I thought I needed and that was my extent of college so <laughs> never had a college team okay. and mar married into a, a Cornhusker family so okay all right yeah. um I guess we can't start like t tonight you're 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 correct me if I'm wrong you're leading a NASCAR points series for the first time in your career, correct? For sure. First time 
you know, I think I had come close twice, maybe, uh, I want to say 2018, was it maybe, or 2017, maybe. I did well in the first few stages of the Daytona 500, and we finished third. Okay. So I think it was that year I was like three points out of the points lead after one race. And then <laughs> I want to say it was 2011, possibly, when I was at Petty. I think I finished ninth and 11th the first two races, or 11th and ninth, and I was third points. So oh, that's wow. the state of points lead in the NASCAR series has come. So when you realized that was the case, after, you know, three races ago, what, what, what was that like? moment for you when you're like oh wow this the, i'm leading the points of a nascar series yeah i mean I, it's you know i mean it, i don't know it was one of those things i was like oh that's like that's that's really cool like i mean that's what that's what you work towards and uh you know the beginning of this year i felt like we had an opportunity to be really competitive mm -hmm. since just the the races that i had done the last two years and and the speed that we had but with that said color racing is still a you know, a fairly new team, right? It's six years into existence. Ross and, and Justin did a fantastic job last year. So the way the year started, we finished fifth at Daytona, but then we got wrecked out at the road course at Daytona. Yeah. Homestead, we were running really well and, and got spun out on, on the final restart and didn't have a great finish. And uh, so, you know, with that said, we kind of were about 80 points behind Austin Cindric. Really, mm -hmm. I felt like from race five on and we've just bounced back and forth in that points gap for a whole season. And all of a sudden a couple of bad races for him and, and, you know, we're leading the points and, you know, it was one of those things where the last two weeks it's good and bad, right? We still have a yeah. five point lead, but I felt like, hell, I mean, we could have had, I mean, we could have maybe clinched the scene because we were really good at Darlington and had a loose wheel on the final pit stop. And we lost about 20 points there. And oh, then, man. Richmond last week, we were battling for the lead and the strategy, the way it played out, we went from probably not finishing any worse than second to finishing 18th. So we've given up some points, but I'm sure Austin Sindrick could say that about the previous two weeks. So it's the way <laughs> racing is. And But overall, man, it's it's cool to be in this position. And, you know, at the end of it, we still know the the championship is is the yeah. ultimate goal but to yeah. have a shot at the regular season championship is is pretty awesome because at the end of the day that's more about consistency than uh the overall championship where yeah. of course we got to get to phoenix but it comes down to one race at that point if if i had told you like you've uh, up uh, until i started researching uh your, your career for this I, I wasn't really all that familiar with the your career from the time where you left champ car and, and inter NASCAR, like before team you were at team Penske, I really wasn't up, up to snuff on what, what yeah. that was like for you. So if I had told you back in like 06, 07, when you're first, you know, dipping your fin finger into the, the NASCAR waters, you, you'll get the ch a shot like at NASCAR championship, but it's going to be a while. <laughs> um, it, it It's going to be a, a cup, basically a decade and a half from now, 2021, if I had told you then you'd get your shot, but it'd be a while, what would you have said? Oh, six. I would have said, no, you, you know, I don't know about that. You might be a little crazy on that. If you had asked me by the end of Oh seven, I would have said, yeah, I might get that now because <laughs> I mean, really, really, you know, my, I mean, it's been so long ago, but I, at the yeah. time I thought people thought I left because all, oh, you know, there's more money in NASCAR, et cetera. Like mm -hmm. I, I love champ car. 
Like I enjoyed it so much. I love driving those race cars every day. I love the, the venues that we went to, things like that. But at that point, the two series were split. Yeah. There, was, there was IRL and there was Champ Car. Champ Car was dying. We all saw the writing on the wall. And really, for a couple of reasons, I had to make the decision was the team that I was driving for at that point, uh, Forsyth. Yeah. Jerry Forsyth hated Tony George. He hated the IRL. He made it very clear he wasn't going to IRL or whatever the, the merger, because the merger was going to be more IRL based, right? It was yeah. going to be Tony George and however that happened. And uh, so he wasn't going to do it. And I, I'm sure I could have found another ride because I had a lot of momentum on the open wheel side of it. But at that point too, I didn't know what the Indy car schedule was going to look at, like look like when they merged, because at that point IRL was, I would say predominantly oval based. Mm. I didn't want to race indie cars on ovals as weird as that sound as i that i went to a series that raced mostly on ovals <laughs> indie cars on ovals like they scared me at times like really? if you irl races you know like chicago and charlotte and um i mean there was a lot of them where there was just texas for sure like a lot of bad wrecks where yeah. guys were getting into the chain link fence and things like that i just didn't want to do that going to indie is a you know i i the prestige and history of Indy, like you're willing to make those those chances, and that's what it's all about. But I just didn't want to do that. I had an association with Red Bull. I didn't want to go straight to Cup. Like when they were like, "Yeah, we're going to go Cup racing," I was like, "I don't think that's a great idea." Like I should probably run some uh, bush races and some trucks. Yeah, and and it just didn't happen like that. We didn't run a lot of that, and I just floundered and hung on for a couple years. My season in '09 with Petty. We were only supposed to do five or six races, and I finished third in the 500, and we had a, a decent start to the year. So I literally gave back every cent that I made from those races through the first three quarters of the year because that was the only way to help keep the car going. Wow. And, like, anytime I – you know, I was getting prize money, and especially back then, the prize money wasn't bad. And I'm like, if I give it back, can I keep racing? Like, so I did that for a few years, so – it was survival of the fittest really for a long time. So, and then really at the end of 18, if you just said, you know, three years later, like you're going to be contending for an Xfinity championship, leading the points in a NASCAR series. I said, probably not. Cause I don't know if I'm going to be full-time ever again. So it's been crazy, but I mean, I've been very fortunate. So uh, I love what I'm doing right now. I love being a part of college racing and I'm just so thankful every day that I get to to work with Matt called Chris Rice, all the men and women at call racing, because it's just, I didn't expect it. And I enjoy it more than I ever expected as mm -hmm. well. So like, this, this, this is probably a dumb question at this point, but do you consider this the right now, the peak of your racing career? The NASCAR side of it, for sure. Um, you know, my, in 06 and champ car, I was, when I joined Forsyth Racing, we won five out of nine races. We could have yeah. easily, won, I think, like seven out of nine that year. And it, it just, uh, you know, it was, it was a, like at that point, I felt like, man, I walked in the racetrack and, and I had all the confidence in the world. And that was a great feeling. But for sure, on the NASCAR side of it, I feel way better than I have ever been in a race car. I kind of have an understanding of what I want. Uh, you know, it, it helps when you're able to run up front every week and you can kind of work on your weaknesses and your strengths all at the same time. Because when you run a cup and you run, I mean, when you're, when you're especially at the smaller team and you're battling for 
top 15s, like, I mean, it's a grind and you're doing whatever you have to do just to try to, to get the best finish possible. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like by far I'm the best that I've ever been on the NASCAR side of it. And, and, but I also feel like there's a lot more room for me to grow and to keep getting better. Well, what, what, like when you say, say that, so what, what's it like to be like, you're, you're 39, like you're, you're deep into your career. What, what's it like for you to be still be learning about racing at this point? Well, I mean, I feel really, really lucky and fortunate because I, I get these opportunities still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I at, really at the end of 18, you know, I, I did the deal with with NBC and I kind of thought, OK, this is the next step in my life, I guess. And and we'll see kind of where it goes. And Chris Rice, I'd never met Chris Rice, never even spoke to him. And he called me, said, hey, you want to run some road course races and maybe the super speedway races? They had to talk me in the super speedway races. Those are definitely not my favorite. So. They really had to work on me to do those, but but um, you're good at them. You are good I, at them. I, like that's the funny thing. Matt Collig and I last night were just talking about this. He's like, "You're so good at them." I'm like, "I hate them, though. I literally hate them. Like, there's not like, it, like it's just it's one of those things. Like, it, I don't like that type of racing. But mm-hmm. somebody's got to win those races, so I want to give myself <laughs> a chance to win them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I just like. Like, I love going out there and driving these race cars for college because I do. It's like, I'm like, I want to make us better. But, like, because of that, they make me so much better. And Chris Chris and I are always talking. And they're he's just, you know, we're constantly trying to be better together. So, um, but, yeah, this is honestly, for me, in, in college racing, it's his new territory, right? Like, trying to go for a championship. You know, last week, for instance, I was so frustrated after the race because I felt like we had a shot to win and yeah. strategy and things didn't work out again. Um, and I was mad and I voiced my frustrations and Chris voiced his frustrations about it. And, and, you know, we talked after and it's like, you know, it, it's like, we, we kind of laughed. It's like, yeah, we're, we're all kind of new to this when it comes to actually battling for a championship. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so let, let's back up a bit. Um, you, you were born in Los Gatos, California. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So- it's, my mom always says, I, you know, because everything says Los Gatos, and she says, yes, you were born in Los Gatos, and I, we drove you home back to San Jose. So San Jose is okay. where I grew up, but yeah. Okay, okay. Okay, so, so San, San Jose, what is, what is it like to grow up in San Jose, California? Like, what area of the city did you grow up in, and like, what, what did your parents do? Like, what, what, what was the childhood of A.J. Allmendinger? It was racing. It okay. was all racing all the time. So my dad was a, a carpet layer his whole life. Uh, my mom was, she did a lot of different jobs, uh, whether it came to communication or, or uh, she was a medical assistant for a long time. Um, but, you know, we didn't have a, I, I don't have, like we weren't, we weren't, my parents weren't rich by any means. Like they, like, so they mortgaged their house two times to keep me going and racing. Okay. Wow. Uh, but I would have never known. Like, we also weren't, I mean, we weren't, you know, trying to, I guess, put it the right way. Like, I never was starving. Like, you mm. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. so, but er, all the money went into racing. My dad was a local dirt track racer. Oh, okay. Um, before, I mean, when, before I was born and then when I was a kid, young kid, like, we were always at my dad's races. I was watching him race and then. When I was five years old, it, it was time for me to start racing. I wanted to race 
Uh, I started off in BMX bicycles. I want to be actually a motocross rider. I love supercross, motocross, still my favorite form of racing today. Uh, love you, watching it. Uh, you, you, you've, cool. actually, you've actually done analysis stuff. For, yeah. Like, yeah. So, okay. Like that yeah. was the funny thing when I went to NBC, you know, we were doing the, uh, the weekday shows and, and we we're doing like the motorsports hour. And I was like, and first they were like, well, you know, motorcycles, motor. I was like, I got that. Don't you worry. Like nobody else has to even worry about it. And that was one of the coolest things I got to do for NBC was I went and called a supercross race at Meadowlands with Ricky Carmichael and Ralph Shaheen. Like I thought that was the coolest thing I did out of all of it. So, um, but yeah, it, it was, it was racing all the time. So starting at five years old. Yeah. Wow. And I went, I went bicycle racing for, for three years when I was about eight. I was like, okay, it's time to get on a motorcycle. I'm ready to go motocross racing. My mom was like, hell no, that's not <laughs> happening. You're crazy. So we're going to put you in quarter midgets and then go-karting and then kind of up through the open wheel ranks is kind of where I went. Wow. So like was at five, so you, it was your parent, were your parents like, was your dad actively pushing you to do racing or was this like, dad, I want to do this. Let's do it. No, I was dad. I want to do this. It's just all I knew. I, I watched okay. I watched my dad race, my mom, you know, it was just, it was, I'm an only child. So it was just me, mom and, you know, me, mom and dad all the time at a race. And that's, that's all I ever knew. Wow. Well, like, what, what, so when you, you're doing this stuff, like bikes and go-karts and stuff, like what are your hobbies? What, what are your non-racing hobbies at this point as a kid? So the only thing I, I love sports, I like I love watching football and basketball and all of it. I never was able to, to play any sports just for the mere fact because we're, we're racing mm -hmm. every weekend. So what I did uh, as a hobby, I wish – so I love golf now. I wish I would have done that as a kid, quite honestly, <laughs> but I didn't. So my, uh, my background of hobbies was bowling. Oh. I loved – so I, I, my mom and I would always go bowling for fun, and then – I took lessons. I started getting pretty good at it. So I just played in, in junior leagues after school and all that because it was the only thing that I could do after school that didn't involve weekends, right? Because weekends we were racing. So um, so I was in a lot of bowling leagues as a kid. Did, did you win anything? Uh, I was okay. I, I <laughs> my, my highest uh, was like, a, I think I got up to like a 190, 194 average. I had my highest game was like 267. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Okay. So it was not that I it was not that I took overly serious because I was racing, but it was just something fun to do after school. My mom could drop me off at the bowling lanes after okay. school and I could sit there for three hours and bowl. Okay. All right. So so when when did at what point in all this did your pursuit of racing really turn serious? Like in okay, this is we're building possibly towards something. Yeah, I mean, karting was always going pretty good, uh, but because of my parents not having a lot of money, like going car racing was never, we were never going to be able to do it like ourselves in that sense of my, my parents able to afford it. So my big break really became when I was driving karting, Paul Tracy uh, had a go-kart team he had started and okay. he came asked me to drive uh, for it for uh after like their first year and i got my name my name started getting recognition just outside of karting in the fact that you know i was associated with paul tracy mm. 
anytime he could talk about his his karting team or his drivers, you know, I I was kind of at the forefront of that. And I got to skip. I want to. Uh, uh, scholarship through karting for the skip barber series and that kind of kind of okay. kicked it off and then you know a little bit of uh a little bit of talent i'd say and and some luck in the fact that i was able to go win races in those series and i somehow just found the next step because my parents never it was not it, i had to go my parents helped me but it wasn't mm-hmm. you know, we couldn't fund it so it was always like i had to meet the right person or i had to be at the right place at the right time and, and get the job done. And and I was very fortunate that I always kind of found the next step somehow and never really, never really sat on the sad sidelines. I was always racing something every year and it just kind of kept progressing. So when, when you're with Paul Tracy's team, how, how old are you at that point? Uh, 17. Wow. So, and you know, great 16, right at the end of 16, early 17 was kind of, I think when the age that I was, when I started with them. So you're you're 16, 17 year old racing for a driver who's raced for for Roger Penske in IndyCar. Yeah. What, what did, did that? How much did that association mean to you at that point? All of it, because really, I would get to hang out with Paul. Uh, you know, at the time he lived in Las Vegas, and there were so many times where, especially after the season, when they when he was done, like I'd be hanging out with him, Jimmy Vassar uh carpentier alex tagliani guys as a, like that as a, as a, as a 16 yeah. 17 year old wow yeah okay. and um you know <laughs> there's one time i remember tag had uh at fontana had bathed in the fence their last race of the season running like 230 hit the fence and we were at the the biggest race for us was the super nationals in, in las vegas and it was always the week or two after their final season and or their final race in fontana and stuff like tag come up to me and be like, brother, you ever piss blood? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> 17. I'm like, uh, no, no tag. I have it. He goes, just think about your career. He's like, I've been pissing blood for a week and a half since that wreck. It hurts. I'm like, oh my God. I was like, I just so like stuff like that. I was like, wow, I, that's what I really want to do. Like, is, is this, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I got to, I got to uh, spend a few years you know, like wow. seeing all of it really. So I'm like, I'm, I'm always curious about like when dr- drivers, if there's like certain like forks in the road where they, they go to open wheel or they go down a path towards what will literally be stock cars. And so w- was it o- only open wheel for you for at this point in your career that, that that's the only thing in your mind about possibly doing? No, not really. I mean, at that point, I just knew I wanted to be, I just wanted to race cars yeah. and I loved all, I loved all form of, of car racing, you know? It, it, uh, but yeah, when I, when I was karting, it was kind of like early on when I started karting, I was like, I just want to race whatever. Like I want to race. Like I loved watching my favorite driver growing up was Jeff Gordon. Like I love Jeff Gordon okay. from his sprint car days, watching him on Thursday and Saturday night thunder on ESPN. Uh, I love Jeff Gordon. So when he went into NASCAR, I was like, man, like that, that's cool. Okay. Uh, but really, you know, my last few years of karting, especially getting associated with, with Paul, it was like, okay, champ car, getting to go to the champ car races and spend them around Paul and see what it was all about. I was like, God, I love this. This is like, this is where I'm headed. and I want to do this. And, you know, as I said, like, I loved it. Like I, it was just the, the fact that where the series were was 
I had to make a decision in my life to which way I was going to go after that. But mm -hmm. like leading up through it, I, I loved what Champ Car was, and and at that point, and you know, to this day, still love watching Indy cars, and and got a lot of friends over there. So the the, fir the first I guess Indy car race you went to was it was it the Indy five hundred? The first Indy car race that I ever went to. Yeah. No, it would have been because at that time they uh, car wasn't wasn't at the uh, Indy 500. So uh, the first Indy car race live that I think I went to was uh, Laguna Seca, the pass, the Arnie's pass. Really? I, I just started driving for Paul at that point, and that's where I was from. I mean, Monterey, yeah. Laguna Seca was only 45 minutes from our house, and Paul invited us out there, my, my parents and myself, to uh because i think at that point i just i maybe just signed with paul so i hadn't okay. met him that much so he invited us out there and, and come hang out and check it all out um yeah so i was there uh for that i believe i know wow. that was my first race yeah that that that, that, that that's an incredible race to, to Actually, be your you know first Danny, i'll take that back that was my first race but i think that wasn't that was happening i think i happened to actually go there with some friends to watch that race and then like the year or two after was when i got to meet paul out there okay the pass was 97 right 96 96 yeah yeah right right yeah, in there so yeah the, the story's true i did go out there and watch that race but a few years later i was invited out there by paul and, and that's it Th that's a nardi pass I, that in my opinion that's probably like the iconic cart moment as far as far as i can remember like that, yeah. that past that, that, that like that's I don't, I don't know would you agree with that i mean it stands out to me because it you know the, the unfortunate thing i was sitting on the other side i was sitting on the front straightaway so you had <laughs> you really had no idea what happened you're just like holy crap alex is leading now and yeah. it's like you go home and watch the highlights you're like holy hell like that was an amazing pass that, that's yeah that's the downside of road courses <laughs> yeah like you, you, you miss so like so you, you're you're in cart and you you eventually wound up in like the Atlantic series, right? Yeah. So it went it went through the Skip Barber series. It was the National series. Then I went to uh, the next year was the Barber Dodge Pro Series. I won that championship, and then I got a, a deal with Carl Russo at Roosport for the Toyota Atlantic series in 2003. So and then and then eventually you wind up in Champ Car. So how, how did the jump yeah. to Champ Car happen? So it was just right timing, same thing. So. Uh, when I signed with Roosport and Carl Russo and Toy Atlantics in 03, you know, the plan was to run that for a couple years and then move up to Champ Car. Well, our first year together, I won seven out of 12 and won the championship and kind of in a way, like kind of forced us like, OK, we need to move up next year. And that's what happened the next year. in 04, we moved up uh, to Champ Car and, and, you know, kind of stepped the plans up by a year or two, really what's your what's it, what was it like for you to get in a indie car champ car whatever you want to call it for the first time i remember doing a test and this was actually pre getting ready for you know so in 02 going into 03 ford cosworth took over the whole series for motor suppliers so they were doing uh duration testing at firebird speedway in, in arizona there i've heard so that. Yeah, so they uh, in 02, at the end of 02, they invited some Atlantic drivers. And then at that point, I'd won the Barbados Championship. So they invited me 
out there to, to go test and run laps. And <laughs> I remember hitting the throttle the first time and I, like, it felt like I was going a thousand miles per hour. Like <laughs> I remember I couldn't shift the car fast enough. Like I was driving, I felt like there was like nine gears in the car. Cause I was just grabbing gears. Like, Holy hell, this thing is so fast. I remember getting done after the test and it was like, how the hell am I supposed to race this thing? Like I'm out there by myself. What? I mean, everything felt like it was happening so freaking fast. It was unbelievable. And I just <laughs> walked away. It was like, like they race these together. Like, how do they do this? Like they're out there side by side. So, uh, but it was kind of cool because I'd already done a couple of Atlantic tests and I got back in the Atlantic car and I thought the Atlantic car was fast. It slowed that thing down so much for me. Hmm. And I felt like I was way better in it because of that test. But yeah, that, that first time I ever drove it, I thought like, this is, absolutely insane yeah what well, you just said that that sounds like what a lot of people or, or what i've heard some drivers say about what, what, it, what it's like to get to be like in an xfinity car go experience a cup car and then come back to the xfinity yeah. car it, it's like a completely different sensation yeah i mean it, it's and even when i ran the road courses this year in cup like i had been not being in a cup car in three years or whatever like just running that that car the first time at Daytona, when we dropped the green, just like how much the wheel spin was compared to an Xfinity car. I was really? like, was like, okay, yeah, I forgot about this. Like, all right. Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah. It, and, and even every practice, like the race that we had to do practices this year, I mean, it was like you jump in the, the, the cup car and wheel spin the hell out of the thing. You're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, this is, I forgot how fast this thing is. So, so, so those first two years in, in Champ Car, what, what, what is that experience like? You, you didn't get any wins, but how, how did you feel about what you were, you were capable of, of as a driver? So my rookie year, I, I felt really good. We won rookie of the year, and I was competing against uh, my really good friend, Justin Wilson. Mm-hmm. And, and at that point, Justin, he was on a, probably a, a, a smaller team, you know, an, an experienced team. But when it came to the budget, we were definitely spending more money. Uh, and, and we had a great battle for rookie of the year. I had a couple of races, I had a couple of podiums. Uh, Laguna Seca was a race that I really thought I could win. I saw it on pit road. Mm. Uh, and then in a rookie mistake after that, like panic, trying to get back to the lead and crash doing it. Um, so I thought the rookie year, I thought went really well. Uh, the next year they brought Justin over to our team as my teammate. And I won't lie. I was intimidated as hell by him. Right. Like, because like was it because he was so tall or yeah that was it yeah and uh he wore these really short shorts like when he worked out and uh no it was um because although we were in the same rookie class and second year now as champ car drivers like he he was all what was he probably six years older than me you know right around there maybe five, you know four or five years older anyway but his racing experience I felt like it was like 15 years older than me because he'd been in formula one run the Like he'd done so much and he was so fast. And like, there was times I just thought, how in the hell am I going to beat this guy as my teammate? Uh, but he was the greatest teammate I could ever have in my life. Like, because he could easily at times buried me mentally because I was just stressed. Like, I, how am I going to beat him? Like, how, what am I going to do every, every day to, to get better, to beat this guy? 
And it was never like him just going, you know, in a way like, cause we hung out, we lived next to each other. So it like, like we hung out every day. Okay. And I just, he, when I'd have a bad weekend, there was never a mention of like kind of sticking it to me a little bit. And I told him this years later, I said, you were a better man than I was because I don't think I would have done the same thing because I'm so competitive. I think I would have kind of stuck it to him to try to, to try to bury him. And he, he just, if I wanted to talk about something, he'd talk about it. If I didn't, we'd go goof off and, and it'd play video games and we'd never mention the weekend. So my second year, I had a couple of chances to win. I threw it away. Uh, he did get the first win for the team and then got a, got, we finished one, two at Mexico city uh, at the end of the year, but I was pretty upset with the year because I had made a lot of mistakes and I was pushing so hard to, to try to beat him. Um, but because of that, he always made me better. And and that's, I think, part of the reason why we could go win Rolex together in 2012. Uh, the reason why I've gotten, you know, just in general mentality of, of always trying to be better was like he made me better every time we were driving a race car and away from it. And uh, I always loved him so much for that because I might not have done the same for him because I, I didn't have that mentality. But he always told me, he said, I, he was like, I couldn't do it. Like, he didn't want to do that to me because he knew that if he did, it hurt his speed too. Because if I just stopped pushing because I was defeated, it wouldn't make him any better. And so it was, it, the, 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 those, that second year was rough, but what came from it for me, like learning from him was more than I could have ever imagined. Okay. If that makes sense. That was oh, yeah, I get it. I, oh, I get that. Um, so like when I, when I look at like what you, what you did in the 06 season, it just seems like a very weird year. Yeah. Um, like you, 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 like you switch teams, like I think after three or four races to go to Forsyth and then you instantly win. And then, you know, a little while in, later in the year while you're still winning you're dipping your, your your toe in the nascar waters like what what's going on in 2006 for <laughs> aj allmendinger from like well, what was that year like for you it was it was crazy because like i said 05 wasn't a great year so i kind of came in with the mentality in 06 like okay this is make or break and got wrecked at long beach to start the year first turn wrecked so like that race is, is done um and then we went to Monterey, Mexico, and had a shot to win and tried to go for the lead and spun out. Just got just so like this, the year was, was was terrible to start with. And went to Milwaukee and had a really bad pit stop. And, and at that point, like it just wasn't going well. And, and the engineer, the engineer I was working with was really young, and he, I was kind of frustrated and and all that, and, and basically. I'm brutally honest, you know, some, sometimes you know, I'm always brutally honest about myself and I can be brutally honest sometimes to other people. And, and we sat down at dinner one night and he said, can we win together? I said, nope. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, we probably could get a win like here and there, but I'm like, consistently, I'm like, I don't know if you need like a Justin, cause you're so young as an engineer and, and all that, like that can lead the ship. I'm like, and I need, what Justin had, which was he had a, a a championship winning engineer from from the previous couple of years, 
working on his car. And I said, it's like, we need to switch roles. And I just said, I'm being honest. Like I were, this isn't working. And I got fired the next day. So uh, I was like, okay, well, this is interesting. And then Jerry Forsyth called me. I think that happened like on a Monday. He called me on a Tuesday and said, hey, you know, we're interested in you, but we can't do anything this weekend. It's just not going to happen because Portland was that weekend. I'm like, okay, Jerry, I appreciate the call. Then Wednesday he called (laughs) in the morning and said, man, we really want to get something done, but it's too late this weekend. But like, let's, let's talk about maybe the next couple of races. I'm like, all right, Jerry, well, I appreciate it. Then Wednesday night, he said, you know what? Screw this. Let's do this deal. I need you in Portland Thursday morning to, uh, to get fitted in the car. And literally I flew to Portland and met the team for the first time, got fitted in the car that afternoon. We went out for practice on Friday. We were P1. I thought, yeah, this is working out pretty well, and it kind of all went from there. So as that year is going on, as I said, champ car, the rumbling are starting to happen. Red Bull, which had stuck with me from, from Roosport over to Forsyth, mm-hmm. I commented them. I said, hey, I see you're starting a NASCAR team. Like, is there okay. any interest? Because I, I just didn't know what was going to happen. And, yeah. that, and that was what was hard. I took a lot of flack for a couple years by the open wheel side of it. Like he ran for the money like everybody is, and I was like, I didn't like, like, it looks like it, but like, I just wanted, I wanted some sort of consistency because I knew I wasn't going to come out and openly say it, but I'm like, I know that team's not going when this merges and I don't know what my opportunities are. So I got to be smart about it. And, um, and that's kind of how it all happened. And, you know, for, for a couple of years, the NASCAR was held because I wasn't making a lot of races mm-hmm. and the open wheel side of it seemed like for was a lot of news stories, like, Every time I didn't make a race, I was like one of the, the leading stories to it. And it was uh it was rough couple of years for sure. So so what what like I guess first off, your your first NASCAR start is in a truck in New Hampshire. Yeah. Um so what 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 how does that happen? Like when what what is that that race day like for you? Yeah, <laughs> uh, the race day was so practice was really good. I was like, I think like sixth or seventh in practice, and I thought. Okay, well, I've never done a, you know, like you, champ car at the time, you didn't wake up at eight in the morning and strap into it and your first lap on the racetrack qualifying. Like, that's just not how it worked. So, like, like oh, by the way, yeah, qualifying's eight in the morning. Like, I'm like, okay, never done a cold new tire run like that. And I spun out on lap two and fenced it. <laughs> so, we had to go to the backup truck and I was like, what is the, and it, this is a, a team they put together for me. It wasn't like, like, you know, Kyle Bush and the 51 truck that I just happened to jump in for the week. Like this was a <laughs> whole new team. They put together for me to run at Bill Davis. I said, yeah. well, okay, what's the backup situation? They're like, well, it's Bill Lester's show truck. That's been sitting in the shop forever. We needed a backup. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God. So they put that together. I think I finished like 12th or 13th. Thought, okay, that's not bad. Like for my first start, then we went to Talladega. I was leading with two to go. Mark Martin schooled me on what the draft and how to lay back on a restart and what all that does. <laughs> so I finished fifth. And then we went to Atlanta. I qualified second. I was leading the race. And my teammate, Johnny Benson, showed me what right side air was all about in a truck. <laughs> and, I, and he got to the outside of me. And I spun out in front of the field leading the race and crashed. And I thought, okay, like, man, once I figure this out, I might be able to win some of these. And then Red Bull was like, yeah, we're going cup racing next year. And I was like, what? Like, I don't, 
shouldn't we do like maybe I'll and I you know part of me was like it'd be great to run one more year in champ car because I knew it was going to be the final year of champ car and mix in some of the truck bush races and that wasn't the plan so they threw me out there brand new team brand new car go figure it out well uh, yeah I've heard you know some stories about like how Red Bull they just like thought they could just throw money and they'd just be able to win instantly uh, that was not the case um yeah so so like what so describe to me that organization what, what like what were you stepping into in 07 well we definitely so winter was rough because we, there was no cars built like it was like it wasn't the the hey i'm gonna go buy this shop with everything already in it like they started from scratch mm. and like they bought the shop but the car like it was Toyota. It was a brand new manufacturer. Yeah. So there was no cars. Like I went and wrecked at uh, Kentucky. We're testing, and it was one. And at that point, if you remember, it was the, both cars: the COT, the first year of the COT, yeah, and the old car. So they're yeah. building two okay. different cars. So we we're we had one of the old, the the you know the old gen chassis yeah. cup car. I wrecked at Kentucky. This was like early January or late December, maybe. And they're like, all right, well, we can't test the rest of the year with that car. Cause that thing's till we build, you know, we're not going to have anything really built till Daytona, those cars. I was like, cool. Great. That's awesome. So I have no laps. I went to Daytona, try to qualify for the 500 with, I think eight laps, you know, in a cup car. Boy. So that, <laughs> that, and that's when they had, I think 64 cars show up that, that year for Daytona. Wow. So yeah, like, yeah, when I was looking on racing reference, you know, in this period and I, I, I looked at all the D and Q's you had, I was like, Oh boy. Um, yeah. What, how much of a toll did that take on you? Um, just showing up to the track and not making it and not making it and not making it. Oh, it was rough. Like it was, I mean, it was some, some low points. The only thing that, that kind of helped, was if you look at Vickers, I mean, he had almost as many DNQs as I had. And that was what was the only thing, like, partially helping me. Not that it helped me any experience at all. But Brian, the year before at Hendrick, I think had the best qualifying out of, uh, average in the series. Hmm. And he went from that to I think he made, like, 20 out of 36 races or 19 out of 36 races. I made – 17 out of 36 races now i will say when he got in the races he was actually pretty good but like i mean it was believe me it was miserable like it i i kind of thought what have i done here like and yeah i mean it was it was it was difficult to say the least so then, then you finally get in at bristol so yeah. the, were you expecting it to happen at bristol um at that point, I didn't know what to – I mean, we – so Daytona, I get wrecked. We go to Fontana. It's sad. I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I still remember these like it was yesterday. We go to Fontana, and because there's so many cars there, we couldn't get through tech until like 30 minutes to go in the session. So wow. I made two laps on the racetrack, and I missed qualifying for the – missed qualifying by like a tenth of a second. I'm like, all right. So then we went to Vegas, and – I put in, I thought, a really good lap. I was early in qualifying, and I was, like, fourth out of 13 cars. And I thought, thank God we're finally going to make a race. Well, there's a lot of go-or-go-homers at the end of that qualifying session. There's so many wrecks. 
that qualifying took forever. So like the last 10 cars were so fast. And then Atlanta, I blew up leaving pit road. So that was the first four races. That's how it started. And uh, went to Bristol and I had tested Bristol in, in the winter and I thought, okay, I'm all right. And I remember <laughs> after practice, Brian was on the left side of the page, like in 24th and I was on the right side of the page in like 38th. And I was like, God, how does he got so much speed on me? And I looked at the time, it was a hundredth of a second. That's how many cars were in the grouping. Like there was like 15 spots between us. But anyway, so I don't like it just I didn't I didn't know what to expect at that point. So to finally make a race, I've never been so happy in my life to qualify last. For a oh, race. OK, I did. I did. I, that, didn't, that, I don't think I, I didn't look at where you started. So you're last. Yeah, OK. Yeah. <laughs> OK. So I, I guess like kind of like to condense to like the next few years, like at what point did you feel like you were actually part of the NASCAR world you you were a nascar driver when did you finally like feel like that uh i felt that probably like 2010 finally like you know 09 as i said I, I i gave most of my money back just to try to survive i did run the whole year which was was great um but i always felt like i was like on the you know god if i didn't you know, make enough money that race or whatever like I, I never didn't know if i was going to the next one um so 2010 i got in the 43 for richard petty um had some really good sponsors there and, and, you know, we had a, a decent season. I think I, I finished like maybe 20th in points, which wasn't, wasn't terrible at that point. Um, but yeah, that's when I finally felt like I was for like, Oh nine. I, I never, it was hard to say like I was learning anything because everything was, I was just like hanging onto the wall, just ripping, trying to stay in the sport. Yeah. So I wasn't worried about learning something. I was worried about going out there and showing speed every weekend whether it was practice or the race or qual like whatever, I'm like, just give them a glimpse this weekend that I can do this, whatever that may be one lap. I don't care if it's one lap. Like, um, so 2010 was like the first time I felt like I was like learning and, and being part of NASCAR. Okay. So at some point you, you, you get, you had, you, you had to get a call from team Penske um, to, to get in that car. What, what were the circumstances of that happening? Uh, well, it was obviously Kurt got let go. Mm. And I was really happy at the end of uh, 2011. We, we had a shot to, I think I missed the playoffs and this was when it was 12 drivers. I think I missed the playoffs by like seven points to make, to make the chase that year. And we had two races, uh, one at Dover where I was leading and I blew up. And we had another race where I was up front and something happened anyway. And we didn't, we didn't have a good. So it was like, I was really happy at the end of the year. I was working with Greg Irwin. We made a crew chief change middle of the year and Greg came over and we had a lot of speed at a lot of different racetracks. And I was really happy with the way the season ended. We finished 15th in points and I'm like, okay, like we got something to build on here. Well, the problem was Best Buy was leaving mm -hmm. and there's rumblings that, the team may look different next year. I, I didn't, you know, not, I don't know how to say it the right way, but you know, like the, 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 the rumors of, of Richard Petty motorsports, right? Like, like there's always financially, it's always, it's been a struggle for a while. Right. So yeah. like at that point, it was one of those things where there were some questions starting to happen because of sponsors possibly leaving or a sponsor or something and reached out to Roger and, and kind of did the deal. 
just 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 happened. <laughs> well, we I mean it happened pretty quick. We met with wow. him and um you know, we went we went with it and and you know, it it was it was a dream come true, but it also was like the biggest nerves of my life and then the yeah. year didn't start off well and then obviously the rest of it kind of went downhill from there. Like what did it mean for you? Like for to be driving for Roger Roger Penske at, at that point in your career, like it was it was the biggest thing ever in my life. Yeah, like it, it really was. Roger was the guy I always wanted to drive for. I didn't know it was going to be with fenders on it. You know, like <laughs> Roger was the guy I always wanted to drive for. So I I just didn't expect it when I had this dream of driving for Roger Penske that it was going to be uh, in a stock car. But like that that meant the world to me, and like I was in awe of driving for Roger and just awe of always being around them. And because of that, I put so much sickening pressure on myself to perform for him because like, that's all I wanted to do was to make Roger proud. Like I, that was like my biggest goal in my life at that point was to make him proud and, and be a part of, of the rich history of his team. And so, so what, what, for you, what, what was the, your, your favorite memory of driving for that team? Um, I don't, uh, you know, there were, there was a cool moment where at the all-star race, I had to race my way in and Roger, you know, he was, that's always Indy qualifying, you know, it had been always Mm. Indy qualifying that weekend and we qualified pole for the uh, showdown. And I mean, there were some badass guys. Junior was in that Clint, um, uh jamie mcmurray was in that race uh maybe martin truex at that point i don't know but there i mean that showdown that year was like stacked so a qualified pole for it and coming to the on the pace lap i was starting to wobble the car around and i got on the radio said is my tire flat and they said yep and i went down pit road as they went to green so i was at the back of the field and i raced my way this is before that you know they before they did the the stage break winners like i raced my way back up and finished second to make it into the uh all-star race wow and i drove down pit road like all jacked after that all pumped up coming down pit road and roger was standing in the middle of pit, pit road like pumping his fists and like he had flown from indy qualifying and got there in time to see it happen wow and i didn't know he was even there so that was i thought that was pretty cool because like i really felt that that was uh you know, like I was making him proud there. That, that's awesome. I, 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 I'm like, I can't I find it hard to believe that, like, at that time, Dale Jr. would have been in the open since he was a previous yeah. winner. So maybe that rule wasn't in place yet. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. He, he actually, I think if you look it up, I think he won the open night that year. Wow. Okay. I will look that up. So, um, so the, the, the way things ended with Team Penske happens um you you get suspended you go through the 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 recovery program and all that so so there's a three-month period where you're not racing in nascar um what's that three-month period like for you um i mean to be brutally honest there's a lot of dark days a lot of um you know just you know hell like okay what's the you know what what is the 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 reason to even be here well Mm -hmm. you know what what am i doing um, you know, you see who your true friends are. You see who are maybe not true friends. Um, 
but you know, I've always had great family and friends around me. And that's, I've always, you know, as outgoing as I can be sometimes when it comes to talking or, or the way I am, like I'm very to myself, except for the group of people that I let in. Uh, um, that's probably why I'm not as big on social media sometimes and stuff like that. Cause it's just, uh, yes, I'm outgoing to, to when I'm with the right people, but I'm very, very to myself and, and, and quiet sometimes other, other when I'm not around those people. So, um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of sadness and, and, and just, you know, times of, of just darkness really. Um, but at that point it was all right, figure it out. You know, maybe this is for, happening for a reason. I don't know what the reason is right now. It, this, this reason sucks really bad, but <laughs> the biggest thing out of all of it, like I just, I was just sad that I let Roger down. That, that was the biggest thing. Like not, it had nothing to do with myself because during that year I, I was putting so much pressure on myself and the year like it, was just not going well because we had so many mechanical failures, like weird stuff happened that like, I was just really like, I was stressed. Like a lot of the times in, in tears and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was tough for sure. So, but you do end up getting back on the track that year with, uh, with James Finch, right? Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I'd met with James a, a few weeks prior and, and we went, we talked about it. And I think that's when junior is that right. When he had his concussion, maybe one or something like at that point and oh, been happened to work out. Yeah. Where I think Regan was supposed to drive the 51 and okay, junior, yeah. yeah, junior got a concussion or whatever. And, and Regan went over to that car and I drove James's car and, uh, it was awesome to, that James gave me those opportunities to kind of get back in the sport. So, like, a, a, after, well, you said, you know, a, d a dark period, but what was getting back in the cockpit? Like, what was that feeling like for you? Uh, it was refreshing because I, at that point, I kind of was just doing it for the love of it again. I didn't know if anything was going to come of it. Um, and I just kind of, like, just out there enjoying it again uh, because I, I – in a way, didn't have any pressure, right? Like I was like, okay, whatever happens here, like I'm not sure what's gonna happen. And and uh, and James was an easy guy to drive for. He was fun, and and yeah, I mean, it like it, it just kind of joy again. Okay, so fast fast forward to JTG. Uh, how did you get hooked up with them? Yeah, Tad. Uh, I never met Tad, and, and he reached out during the. Uh, so 2013, when I was doing some of the, the races for James Finch, he kind of reached out to me like about middle of the year and said, you know, what are your plans? What do you want to do? Um, because they, they were, they were kind of in a last ditch effort too. They, they were struggling and they didn't have a lot of funding that was happening. And yeah, reached out to me and, and we kind of said, all right, like, you know, let's, let's see what we can do here and, and did some races, just kind of trial races to see how it went in, in 2013. And uh, we seemed like we enjoyed each other. How, how, how was that, that team, that organization different from all the other ones you'd raced for up to that point? It was, I mean, it was just, it was Tad and Jody and, and Brad. I mean, really Tad and Jody, Brad, Brad, you know, as a partner, but you know, it was just him and his wife, like that's all they did. 
and mm -hmm. it was kind of their their living and uh you know tad was a guy that was really great at, at going to find sponsors and things like that and and was pretty easy going and jody just you know, it was, that's all they knew because they'd done it for so long, but that's all they had. So it was like, they were kind of in a way like me, it was like, all right, we're all just trying to survive here. Like we're trying to get better, but like, this is what we do and we don't have a backup plan. And um, so I think, you know, we worked hard together to, to try to build it in Tad because everywhere else, I mean, okay, take out Red Bull, the team itself, but you know, Red Bull is a name is established, right? We know what yeah. Red Bull is. Yeah. And then, and then Richard Petty had been around for so long and, and obviously team Penske. Well, you know, Tad and Jody, it, it was like, they let me be a different part of it in the sense, like, like I had a lot of influence as well. Like mm. we talked a lot of like, okay, how do we get better that part of a team? Because everything else had always been so big and established. Yeah. So, so how important was that for you as a driver to have that kind of influence? I mean, it, it meant a lot because, I, yeah, like as I said, I felt like you know we were on we were on the same page. We're like, all right, this is our last ditch effort, both of us here. Like, so if it doesn't work for either one of us, we're not sure what's going to happen. And so it was kind of like, like you know, it, sure, I, I didn't have to worry about paying the bills and things like that. But like I was, <laughs> like we were all in it together. We were we were riding along, and and that was uh, we were trying to make it happen for ourselves and and to really just survive. And then, then at 14, you, you get your win at Watkins Glen. And I, I asked you about that um, at Indianapolis uh, a couple yeah. months ago. So, uh, so you, you called it a relief. Um, had you experienced that kind of relief up to that point before in your career? Yeah, it was like 06 all over again, winning yeah. the first championship race. It really okay. was. It was like, it just reminded me like, like, okay, like we finally did it. Like, okay, like it's joy. You're excited, but. I don't want to have to answer that. I don't have to answer that question anymore. So yeah, yeah it almost, it was almost the same exact feeling. Uh, you know, 06 was a little different because, you know, when you get fired, you like to kind of, kind of like throw it back at, at that team. And that was my way of throwing it back. Like I told you, like, if I got <laughs> right situation, we're going to go on a run here. 14, you know, Tad, like I wasn't throwing it back to anybody. Like a lot of that was my own doing as well. So that was more just relief and joy of, of finally getting a win. So, like, for most of your your, your cup career, specifically, I mean, specifically at JTG, you, you, it was always, oh, AJ, he, he's, he's the threat at the road courses and all, and all that. He's the road course guy. Was that, was that label put on you from the start in NASCAR? Oh, he's the road course guy? Or was that something that just kind of, like, slowly came up? No, I think that slowly came up because actually the start of at the start, I Red Bull our cars weren't you know, like hell. We didn't make road course races like in 07, we missed Sonoma. Yeah. Then we got rained out at Watkins Glen, so we never even got a chance. Um, and then 08, uh, can't even remember at uh, 08, we oh yeah, we weren't very good. We made the race at Sonoma, but um, you know, then I went to to uh like as the years went on, like we didn't, I didn't have a lot of great road course races early on, like in 09 when I was at Petty, I think I finished seventh at, at Sonoma or something like that and, and was okay at Watkins Glen, but it was really, you know, as I, I think what changed in my mind was 2013 when I won with team Penske in the, 
Xfinity cars. Yeah. Like it was the first time I'm like, okay, this is like the way you need to drive these cars now on a road course. Everything else, I was just kind of like trying to figure it out. And, you know, Petty, I had some good runs. I think I finished fourth at Watkins Glen. Um, but yeah, like never really understood how to drive them. I was just driving them. <laughs> and, like, you know what I mean? If that makes sense, it was like, I'm like, I don't know if this is the right way. This is the way I'm going to do it. Like, so Xfinity cars at, at with Team Penske, I kind of had a, got to go test it, had a general idea. I was like, all right. And it's like everything just clicked in my mind. Like, okay, this is how you're supposed to drive these cars. I won both those races. We went to JTG 2013 at Watkins Glen, qualified fourth, had a shot to win, ran out of fuel, still finished in the top 10. And from there on out, it was like, okay, now I'm a threat at these races. But, you know, I always joked around. Like, people were like, what well, do you hate? Just that road course ringer. I said, well, it's better than him. Everybody just going, well, you suck at everywhere. Mm. Like, at least I had a specialty. <laughs> so you, 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 you looked on the bright side of it when, when, that, when that got applied to you. Yeah, you know, and, and and honestly, in the back of my mind, I knew in the right situation at the right racetracks, I can go win anywhere or at least be competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, we almost won Martinsville a couple of times at, at JTG. Yeah. Um, when our cars were right on the, on the mile and a half, so, I mean, I, I qualified third at Charlotte, ran up front, something, you know, like, but it, it's just, I always felt like on the ovals, like you need, the car needs to be better. You still mm-hmm. have to have a great car anywhere, but the car needed to be better there. And just sometimes, like, you just don't get those situations. At Petty, I should have won Dover at least twice, and it just didn't happen. So I always looked at it like, like, I can win anywhere. It just hasn't happened, unfortunately. It's tough. It's tough to do. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't run hardly any Xfinity races or, or truck races to have those shots to win on ovals. So okay. I kind of had it there. But, you know, it, you guys are the media. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like it's people are going to say things. and you Yeah. Just, yeah. can either really piss you off or you just let it go one ear out the other so you just kind of make a joke of it sometimes if that's what i like to do at least but yeah at the, at the road courses it was obvious that you did put more pressure on yourself to, to get 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 that job done it, was that how how was that on how how unhealthy was that for you to, to to put so much more pressure on you when you would go to watson's Glen and go to sonoma I mean, honestly, man, my whole life of how I live my my career is is probably unhealthy sometimes. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, quite, I mean, if we're being if we're being truthful. Like, it, I I put my pressure on myself everywhere I go. Mm. It, it's it's certain ways of, of course, you go to certain racetracks, especially when you know, like a JTG situation. Like, sure, you know, there's tracks that you, you have better opportunities than others, and yeah. So yeah, but like. I mean, I, I, I'm no different today. I put so much pressure on myself to be at my best. So I always, I mean, it's true. I love, I'm like, I'm 39. I'm almost 40 years old. Yeah. I'm still doing this as a career. I still feel like I'm getting better. Maybe it's not the best way to do it sometimes for the health <laughs> side of it, but yeah. I am who I am and I'm not, yeah. I'm not going to change now. It's worked. Like I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. So by, by the time you and JTG, like, parted ways like um how how had that organization changed in the years that you'd been there from from start to finish how was it different than the way you found it well i mean I, it went to two cars and yeah. I, I didn't think you know that and i, I mean I, I was clear when when it was happening i didn't think it was the right time to happen because sure we'd won in, in 2014 then we took a step back in 2015 we were struggling again 
Um, our partnership with RCR, we had to strengthen it. And in 2016, I felt like we started getting our cars up to date all the time. Mm-hmm. And we started running better there. And we were kind of rating right the ballpark to, to make the playoffs on points. And we had really a bad stretch in the summer. But I thought, okay, we're really starting to run good here. Like for the most part, on a consistent basis, where we are a top 15 team. Uh, and, and I thought this is pretty good. And, and they said, well, we need to go to two cars. Cause they had, it was a good thing. They had a lot of sponsorship and mm-hmm. I was just like, we need another year of, of what we're doing before we do this. And they went to two cars. And then I think it, it, that's where the struggle became again. Yeah. And, and then at that point, and, and I get it, it's, you know, like Tad is putting a lot of, he travels all the time for his trying to find sponsorship and he's doing so much. And you expect sometimes results for the, for what the effort you're putting in, but we just, the cars weren't there. Mm-hmm. And, but opinions start to change on where you feel like you should be running. And that's what was hard about it. Like when you're getting told, well, you should be running top 12 to 15 every race. And you're like, well, the other car's right next to me. Like me and me and Chris basically ran together every weekend. It was just I probably had obviously I had some of the road courses and I was really good at Martinsville. So I had tracks I could stand out more in than than Chris. But me and Chris basically flip-flopped every weekend on who had it was like, okay, who's gonna be, you know, 22nd and who's gonna be 23rd? And that was just the way it was. I just had a couple of racetracks that I could at least shine better at. Yeah. But that was the problem was you had the pressure there of like, okay, if you don't shine there, then that, then it's just not good. So I think that's what was tough about it. And, and they kind of get got strained and, and we both needed to change. So like, what was that conversation like? Like the parting of ways conversation? Uh, it was a little weird. Honestly, it was kind of like, well, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I get it. Like, you know, totally understand. And you know, we had five years together, but yeah. there, there was like, literally it was like walked off the plane and that after Homestead and I was like, all right, they said, wow. And I was like, well, okay. And that was it. No, no, no going away party or anything. It's just like, fine. No, just, you know, I, I mean, well. Tad, and, Tad and Jody gave me, um, cause I still had one year left on my contract mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm not going to fight that. Like I, it's not mm-hmm. me. Like, I don't, I, I could probably look into it. We could go through a battle of this. So I'm like, I, it's not worth it to me doing, okay. doing that crap. And okay. they gave me an okay, you know, they gave me a good bonus more, more than I, than I would have normally gotten bonus wise at the end of the year, but that was it. Never really wow. spoke, you know, that was, that was all that was ever said. Wow. Okay. So at that point, what are you thinking about your, your future? Like, are you thinking maybe that that's the end of it the end of the road or do you did you start putting feelers out like what was it that period for you at that point i was i mean i was so burnt out Mm. like i i mean though that last year and a half two years was it was rough like and and i wasn't a happy person i felt bad for my girlfriend now wife uh tara because i just wasn't a happy person every day at home like it wasn't I mean, she had to unfortunately just kind of go along with it. And, and so I was smart enough to know like, okay, you need a break. Like you, there's no reason to jump right back in it and, and go find something else. And 
because God forbid, A, it's not fair to whoever you do it with if your heart's not fully into it. B, mm-hmm. like the last thing I want to do is jump back into it with somebody else and within the first two races go, oh, God, I don't want to be here. Like, this is awful. So I didn't know, and NBC reached out to me to do uh, broadcasting. I thought, oh, that's cool. I, you know, why not? Let's try it. I'd worked on Race Hub for, for Fox Sports for a couple of years doing uh, analyst stuff. And but okay, and I didn't really know if I was going to drive much anymore. Is is, is that as someone whose racing's been your entire life? Is that how how weird is that to like reach that point in your life to, to say hey, that this it might be over? Yeah, it was it was rough. Like like uh, the Daytona Five Hundred was was tough. Yeah, like that when that whole week I was. It was tough because I was starting the starting stuff for NBC at that point, and like I was, I'm like, damn, and I have to watch this race to talk <laughs> about it, but I don't want to watch this. I don't like I. So yeah, it was it was good because it was like it was strange. It was like I was happy to be home and not having to travel every Thursday to Sunday, but then, you know, kind of like it. I was definitely happier than I had been, but there was definitely like ups and downs, like happy about it and then sad about it happy about it and sad about it so yeah it was but I, you know what like i'm sure everybody has to deal with that right in their life for the most part you know the one any any especially any sports person where you know it's coming to an end or it does come to an end like it we don't have to fight it so i just kind of thought yeah. that like, it was my turn to fight that okay so at some point you get a call from chris rice so, and, I'm, and, yeah. I'm, and i'm curious like was there a time limit on like, okay, if, if you don't receive that call from Chris Rice until maybe a couple months later, you, you might have said no. Like was, or did he call you maybe at just the right time for you to say yes? Uh, no, there was no time limit really. Okay, like, okay. I, I mean, at least I didn't have it in my mind at that time. You know, they called okay. at the beginning of, of 2019 and said, okay. you know, would you like to, to run some races for college racing? Okay. I had watched the team over the first few years and saw that was growing, but that was about the gist of what I knew about it. And as I said, had never met Chris and had never met Matt and said, Hey, you know, would you like to do this? And, and said, sure. And cleared it with NBC that I could do it first of all. And NBC was gracious, gracious enough for me to allow me to go do these races. And, um, yeah, but like it, it, I didn't really. I was just like, I'm gonna run some races. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, it'd be cool to win, but hell, I don't know. That's about it. Uh, the, the, were you, you literally just viewing it as a side job at that point? Yeah, yeah. I was okay. like, oh, I was like, man, maybe I can make this work where I can a little bit of both, and like, life will be good. And, um, but I did. I mean, that was like the expectation that I had. I had no idea what what else was gonna go on or. If I was going to enjoy it, what the team was going to be like and things like that. So it definitely, yeah, I kind of was just taking it as it came. Like I had no expectations. Okay. How did it, did, did doing your analysis work for NBC sports at the same time you're driving like that? How did that benefit you? How, how has, how did that benefit you, benefit, uh, benefit you as a driver in any way? I think it, it was just, uh, it didn't really, I, I wouldn't say it benefited me driving the race car itself but it gave me different perspective of 
outside the car and, and okay. maybe even a little bit inners working of the team of talking to other people and things like that, that I had never really taken the time to, to think about maybe and, and learn from and things like that. So it didn't, it didn't help me in the race car. I would, I mean, it honestly probably gave me the best attitude ever that I've ever had in a race car. And that was quite honestly, well, I don't, anymore like you know like and honestly i don't really care if this leads to next week or not like and that it freed me up like it was like i, I don't care like because, you, okay. because you, had, you had something waiting like there- well, that and that just was like yeah i just that and, and and hell i felt like i'd either whether it was my putting myself or all that like i'd been through the ringer i mean my, my nascar life some of it self-induced some of it situation some of it clawing and scratching and every week was like god please let me be here next week mm-hmm. i was over that and it was like okay if i do this race and we get done they're like okay well we don't really need you anymore i'm like all right well i don't care like and and i'll go you know i'll do my job for nbc and so a little bit of all of it honestly but so okay so you go from not get, giving a to at some point you come back around to giving it so well, yes so when i okay i'll re- <laughs> like my, the, the the performing at my best always in like i didn't like our for our second race chris is like dude you gotta relax and i'm like chris i'll meet you halfway i'll try to have some fun with it but if you want me to drive this car like i am intense and if you yeah. ask Chris Rice and Matt Collog, me on the golf course, trying to, um, in me in t- general, Chris is like, dude, you're, my wife is like, you're so intense, like all the time. I'm like, yeah, that's my personality. So when it came, when it comes to performing, whenever I'm in a race car, I don't okay. care if it's a go kart, okay. like, hell yeah. Like it's, it's nauseous intensity, like drive, but it, it's more the, I don't care what happens after this. Like okay. if, if if I just wake up tomorrow and go, I'm done, then I'm done. Like, because in my mind I was done already. Like, so that's, and that's how I am now. Like, I care, like, I want to go win the championship, but yeah. like tomorrow, if they just go, and I've told Chris this, like, and it, and it's, and it's probably why I'm at the best I've ever been because it's like, I don't, you wake up tomorrow and we're like, well, we're done. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. See, peace out. I didn't, I'm, I'm good then. And yeah, and that's the way I like that's it it frees me up and they love it. And it's like when I'm competing against guys on the racetrack, I'm like kind of in a way I'm like you don't don't really I don't care if you mess with me cuz I don't give a crap and I'm going to come back at you even harder. So I I mean I consider you to be like a Swiss army knife when it comes to being, you know, a, a race car driver. So like if you were filling out a cover letter for a job, at a race team how would you describe yourself as a driver uh, you know that's a good that's actually a really good question man uh, you know I, I think definitely multi-talented in, in different forms of race cars um, I think somebody that's that's fairly aggressive but you know I, the 
and maybe it's not so much me driving the race car, but what I would ever want anybody that I work with to know or, or ever to say about me, and I hope they would, is the fact that they know how much I care about the race team and that every time I'm on the racetrack, whether I'm screaming and yelling and pissed off or happy or sad, like they know I have given everything possible in that race car that day. Mm-hmm. And that, and that, that would be the biggest thing for me is like have given a hundred percent and cared every lap on the racetrack. So, so how, how is this year alone? How is your self your self evaluation of uh, as a driver? How has that changed this year alone? I mean, I, I, I don't like to give myself a lot of credit. This is always the funniest thing I've ever heard because maybe it's a persona sometimes on camera or people are like I I I don't like AJ because he's just too cocky. And I laugh at that because I am literally the highest, most self-doubt person ever. Because I always say you did it one day doesn't mean shit until you do it the next day. And that day doesn't mean shit unless you do it the next day. And that's the way I've always been. And if you like it is, I have more self-doubt about myself every day because I'm like, go prove it again. What you did yesterday means absolutely nothing. So this year, I feel pretty, I mean, I really do. I feel like I've done a good job of trying to get maximizing everything out of the car and not going over the limit of making mistakes to do that. You know, in Cup, I used to get myself in trouble where I might overdrive the car trying to make it a 12th place car knowing it's a 20th place car and then I'd hit the fence doing it, you know, this Mm -hmm. year I've, we've, we've had some execution issues like that. We, you know, and and it's all of us together that we could have had more wins and even more top fives. But with that said, I feel like I've done a good job. Um, But I also know the areas I need to be better in. I, I need to, because I'm so intense about trying to win because I feel like we have the opportunities every weekend to win. Like, you know, if, if we're starting to struggle during that run, I, I start getting frustrated. And instead of maybe being just going, this is where I need to be better, I, I don't tell the right – I'm more mad than, than just specifying, okay, we need to fix this area. But I need to be better about that, and I'm always, I'm always going to be trying to work on that. Like, you know, I, we, we've heard a lot over the last two years about you being mentors for the younger drivers at College, Ross, Justin Haley – at this point in your career, who who do you turn to for advice, mentorship? Matt Collard, Chris Rice. Really? Okay. Really, that's, I mean, it's um, you know on dri- on the driving side of it, I'll ask questions if I need to from whoever. Um, you know, somebody that's always been great with me, especially over the last couple of years, is Kyle Busch. Um, if I if I call Kyle or text him, like going into a race, I try to be respectful. If he's racing against me, I'll, I'll never I'll never ask him a question. Cause I, you know, like he's, we're out there competing, but mm-hmm. um, if it's, I, it, it's here for instance, Bristol last year, it was the first race after the pandemic. I'd never been here. We're going dropping the green, no practice. Text Kyle. I said, Hey man, like, I know you're part of a different organization. Like I, you can tell me, tell me you can't do that. Or like, you don't, you don't feel comfortable doing that. Like, but you know, I just need some advice around Bristol. And obviously Kyle Bush is probably the best one to ask. And a lot of places, Kyle Bush is the best one to ask. And, and uh, no hesitation, five minutes later, I mean, a massive email breaking down everything he did. Really? 
You know, he did that for me at Darlington. And, I mean, so, like, if there's questions, I'd probably go to Kyle Bush on it because mm-hmm. I, I trust him. And he's asked me questions, and, and I respectfully, you know, answer him fully, even if it's at a road course and we're probably racing against each other on. Like, it's – so, but just advice and how to be better and, and what you need, Matt Collin and Chris Rice because they're truly the ones that – you know, it starts with them, and then it goes obviously down through all the men and women at color racing. But they're the ones that have chose me, and they're the ones that are leading me as I'm trying to lead everybody else with it. So they're the ones that I go to. So as far as the Xfinity Series, since since like Kyle's no longer you know racing in the series now going we'll forward, we'll do, see. <laughs> well, I was going to ask like. Do you think you maybe you've like slid into that Kyle Bush role kind of in the Xfinity series as being that older veteran cup guy with the all the experience that the young guy young guys have to chase? I don't I don't know about that because until you know, unless we win a championship, you're not the hunted, I think. You know, okay. like that's like you gotta go out there and win the championship. Um and on it, I mean, I, I like this year, I still feel like a rookie at half these places because I haven't yeah. been to it in Xfinity car. So I don't think so. Um, I don't know. You got to ask the other guy. I mean, I, I look at Algaier's maybe that because okay. I was looking at his stats. He's got as many Xfinity starts as I do cup starts. Like he's, you know, he's been around for a long time and he's been really good at multiple teams. So but I, I don't really think about it that much. Okay. All right. I guess, my, I guess my last question for you before I finally let you go um, is how, how do you, up to this point, how do you sum up um, your racing career? Like, wh- wh- how would you, like, uh, up to this point? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, it's, it's a good book, maybe. Some people, <laughs> maybe, you know, some people may read it. I don't know. Like, it's, uh, I look at it this way because I, I'm so intense and I, and I always want to be the best. Sure. There's a hell of a lot more I'd love to have done, but then I got to be realistic and say, I mean, how many guys in this world have won IndyCar races at the highest level have won a Rolex 24 hour race at the highest level have won cup races have won Xfinity races. Like I've been very lucky in my career. To, to be able to have done a lot of this and whether I wish I could have done more. I'm just a kid from San Jose that my parents mortgaged their house three times to keep me going that all I wanted to do, I didn't know what I want. I just wanted to race cars. And at 40 years old, I feel like I'm at the best I've ever been, at least on the NASCAR side of it. And I've done some pretty cool things and hell I've wanted Indy as well. Now, like, Oh my God, like how special is that? I have pictures of me kissing the bricks. So, like, it's not a bad life. Where's that? Where's the Indy Trophy right now? Well, I'm waiting for it because Matt Collins got the first one, so the second one's coming. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So they got they got to make another one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you have a do you have a spot reserved for it? Well, you know, it's funny. It was my wife said this like a year and a half ago. She's like, "We need to get a new trophy case," and I was like, "Man, eh, yeah." Well, like, I felt like that was bad superstition. Like, yeah. I mean, no, we don't need, I mean, like, we'll be fine. Well, it's kind of good. We need a new trophy case. I got a lot, you know, like over the last two years, we've got a decent amount of trophies now. So um, we got to get a new trophy. 
case and, and uh, get, you know, hopefully put more trophies in it. All right, man. Well, good luck getting one tonight. Um, the, you, that's, this, this is the one. Bristol has the a sword. sword, right? Yeah. So, so I own, so I got a couple of business adventures with a, like a longtime friend. He's like my big brother uh, in Charlotte. So we own a, a bar and we, <laughs> it's called Boatyard Eats and it's in Huntersville. So point of me saying this is I told him he always wants me to win a trophy, a cup. He wants to drink like, you know, like the, the commercial in Vegas where they're running the, 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 so-called soccer players are, are carrying the, the cup and they're drinking out of it. Well, it's just a vase that they stole out of the hotel. Well, he wants me to win a cup. So I always joke around. I'm like, they don't give a lot of cups. So I said, but at Bristol, they, they got a sword. So we could start drinking at the bar and then just start bringing the sword to people and see what happens. Oh God. <laughs> I don't think that. I was like, that's, I was like, that's a great business idea. And he was like, I love it. So, yeah. It, yeah, if if you if you drink enough a certain amount of drinks, you get a picture taken with a sword. Yeah, that's it. There you go. What what's the bar's name? It's Boatyard Eats. Bo- Boatyard so, Eats. E A T S Eats. Yeah. Okay. Boatyard Eats. How long have you how long have you owned that? So we've owned that since right as the pandemic started, we took it over. We've owned a comedy club together. We own uh on the nines restaurant in mooresville which is at the golf course we own that and we've had a couple other things together so we've we've been doing things for about 10 years together what's okay what's the what's the comedy club's name well so the it was called comedy zone but uh we're i'm not a part of that we're not neither of us are a part of that anymore oh oh, okay 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 but that's kind of where it started and we've done a few different things together so he's he's been in the restaurant business for god his whole life and I always joke around. People are like, oh, you you know, is restaurants and stuff great to invest in? I'm like, well, no, but if you got the right person, they are. And, and you know, his his name is Chris Bakitis. He's uh he's been like a big brother to me for a long time. And and I mean, I always joke. I'm like, I don't invest in businesses. I invest in him. Like, literally, you could say we're doing we're doing, you know, outhouses tomorrow. I'll be like, cool. All right, let's do that. So <laughs> I'll like. Where are you based out of? Oh, well, I'm currently uh, living in Northwest Arkansas, so okay. so far away. So well, you're you're ever in Charlotte, you know, let me know. We'll, we'll show you the bar. Okay, I, I well, I'm glad I know about it. So yeah. yeah, I will definitely if I yeah, I will definitely if I remember it. Yeah, if I'm in Charlotte, I will definitely do that. So AJ, thank you for talking to me for an hour and a half. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, um, I'm hope I hope this is a good way for you to kill time. So it, it was like I, I, I now I don't know what's happening in CIS, but you know it's all good. <laughs> <laughs>